Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. And I feel like for a child that's had so many moods as well. I don't actually think he was used to hearing the word no. And, you know, I'm the sixth, yeah, the sixth home that he's lived in. It's quite a lot for a four-year-old. Some families have just one daddy, which is me, and a beautiful little boy. And I always say in our house, there's you, there's me, and there's lots and lots of love. Hello, you are listening to episode nineteen of series one of Some Families. Listener, you have come so far with us. But also for anybody that is just listening and is thinking, oh yeah, this sounds interesting. Please do go back to the start and listen to some of our earlier episodes. There's a lot to get through, and we cover so much in the different ways that LGBTQ plus people are having and starting families. So there's so much to learn. So please do take a look at some of our earlier episodes. And if you're listening for the first time, then you won't know about Lottie and I, and it's our favourite subject, Lottie's. I know we don't talk about it enough. I will remind the listener that I am Stuart Lee. I am an adoptive queer father of three, and I am Lottie Jeffs, and I am a mum to a little girl who is about to turn two this month. Actually, what have you got planned? Well, um, I mean, it's another lockdown birthday, isn't it? So it's going to be super low key. Um, she's already asking for cake, so there would just definitely be cake. We we actually had a, a friend of my daughter's recently, and he also has two mums, which is really nice. So we're making um, sure that our daughter has lots of friends with different kinds of families, and it's really nice that she can relate to a friend that also has two mums. But so for his birthday present. I got him some Sylvanian families. I got him the cat Sylvanian family. But what I did was I bought two Sylvanian family cat families, and I removed the father from the Sylvanian family cats, and I took the mother from the other packet, and I basically customized my friend's Sylvanian families so that it had two cat mums and a little. Um, baby cat boy. So now, Stu, I have for you two cat dads. I am dying with excitement right now because I do exactly the same. Because Sylvanian oh. families are have always been a dream of mine. Ever since we even thought about having children, I got most excited about Sylvanian families because, as a queer little boy, it was my favourite thing in the world. So I always. Oh, 
yet again, Stu, we discover something else we have in I common. Know. I was a mad Sylvanian family collector. I love it because we should just start some kind of some families exchange programme for gays and lesbians to swap out their, their other mothers. Yes, that's such a good <laughs> idea. So this week on Sam Families, we have got Leon, who is a single adopted dad from Sheffield, but he now lives in London. Leon adopted his gorgeous little boy only a year ago, but what a get your bingo out, what a journey they've been on through that time. We got to catch up with Leon and talk to him about everything he's been through on his adoption journey and how he's dealt with it being a single adoptive father as well. Have a listen and we'll catch you at the end to discuss. So hello and welcome to Some Families. Leon, tell us a bit about yourself if you don't mind. Of course. Hi guys. Uh, My name's Leon. I'm 41 years old. I'm from Sheffield originally and live in um, London and I'm a single adopter. So was adoption always the option for you when it came to parenting? Yeah, I've always wanted to, it's always, it's really weird. I think since I've been in mid to late teens, I've always wanted to adopt. I never really knew I could back then, but it was just always something that was in me. And I think over the last, I'd say five to 10 years, I've really been proactive and planning until obviously for this for this moment so it's definitely I've always known I wanted to do it but I've just put the wheels in motion over the last five to ten years. Did that sort of affect your like dating life when you were younger? It's really weird I always saw myself as a I'm single now I always saw myself as a single parent I always wanted to adopt on my own so it was never like a conscious thing I just knew that it would be that way. You've been thinking about it for for quite some time what was the the, the final moment where you decided to contact the, the agency or local authority and say, this is it, I'm ready, I want to start now. The moment my renovation was finished in my house, <laughs> I was like, right, that's it. I mean, I bought my house. It, was, uh, it wasn't in a great state, let's say, but I've got a strong vision and I knew what I wanted the house for. The minute that that was done, I knew I was having the house done for this next chapter. So it, it was just the next the next phase, I guess. So Leon, when you were when you had in your head that you were going to adopt, and I guess this is just a question for all adopters that I'm interested in, is do you have an idea in your head of the child that you're going to adopt, or do you have to really work hard to not have that idea in your head so you can be open minded to what ever presents itself? To the you? good thing about adoption is you can be quite specific in terms of type of child that you want and also what you're what you're able to deal with it's really interesting because my little one is a complete opposite of what I had in my head that I wanted age-wise background-wise everything if I'm honest I wanted much younger if you have a younger child then they will bond quicker and you'll be all what they know so I just thought if I have like a five-year-old they're going to remember quite a lot I guess maybe depends on each child right it's definitely not a one one hat fits all I hate using that phrase but that's kind of that applies so much during adoption everyone's story and journey is, is different I wanted I'd say about a 12 to 18 month old initially and I got a four year and three month old so I must say that's quite a common thing I've experienced through you know my own adoption journey and the people that I've met I think so many people go in with 
an idea and then it completely changes and I think the training you go through and the people that you meet help inform that decision and then of course the matching process but then you come out of it with something that you you could never imagine really that in terms of the magical thing that is parenting well, that's what the social worker says she said you know when you're on link maker which as you know is a website that you you, you find your prospective children on she said you know when you when you see your child you'll know and there's actually one one child that i saw and i thought oh you know i can see him in my house i guess he could pass for my kid and i always feel like you could probably almost like you want to try and make yourself like fall in love with the first child that you think is kind of okay ish which is silly because it shouldn't be that type of decision but where it's a, a thing you want to do for such a long time and once you've approved and it's like okay you know it's time to you know find a child so to speak I, I don't know about other people but i really felt like an overwhelming like pressure not from anybody else but i need to find a child now and so there's one that i thought oh, okay but i never really in, in hindsight that spark wasn't there but then i came across my little boy's profile and i was like oh my god but i just knew um, I obviously knew nothing about his background, which was a game changer in terms of, again, it was the opposite to what I thought I could deal with. Multiple moves, including a broken down adoption, severe substance abuse in, in utero. So again, those were all things that I didn't want to really deal with. But I guess once I received the CPR and, and got to find out his story, I was just like, look, this is my, my son, regardless, you know? I can completely relate to that. It's a... Linkmaker is a very strange experience and you go through so many different emotions of feeling that you're almost saying no to a child and then you're wondering if you're letting the, the, the right child go and but then as you say when you know I think you know and when you see a profile that hits you in the heart that's what really helps you know inform that really really difficult decision to, to move forward. And just taking a little step back from that, did you, when you were looking into adoption, how was your experience with using a local authority? Mine was amazing. I think I've spoken to a few adoptive parents. A, I think mine was super quick compared to most. I mean, for me picking up the phone, literally, I'm interested in being an adoptive parent. So me being matched with my son, it was literally 12 months from the initial call to the, how do I go about filling out some forms, like, what do I do to, okay, this is your child. Is it, and forgive my ignorance about the adoption process here, but is it any harder or easier as a single person to adopt? I wouldn't know. I know that I was really prepared. So, for example, I started to do a, a work placement in, like, a stay-and-play centre, like a nursery-type place, um, just one day a week for about four or six months, I can't remember. Um, I didn't really get to do much interaction with the kids one-to-one. But I, get, I knew that that would look good when I then went to panels. So things like that, I made sure that were kind of set up, so to speak. So it kind of made the process a lot easier. Yeah, so that's reassuring for anyone listening that is single and is thinking about adopting, that it's not, you know, there's not this sort of heteronormative pressure to be in a couple or to be married, for example. No, I think, um, again, I did my research. I went to three open days. Um, all were very different um, and I kind of got a good understanding of you know, so the criteria and the requirements and there's never been a focus on being straight or being in a relationship so I never felt oh, you know am I not gonna 
be matched with a child because of my sexuality or the fact that I'm single. And that, that never really came into my mind, to be honest. I, I have spoken to people who have felt that they haven't been matched with a child because that they are gay and the social worker may have had um, their own issues with that, but that didn't that didn't really affect me. And what I will say, I think it's really key if you get on with your social worker. I had a fantastic relationship with mine. She left just after I was um, matched in place and that, that's all good, but she was amazing. She really got me, so, so important. Was the, for you, the most difficult thing about the, the early stages of the, the process and the training? I mean, I'd say the process was quite intrusive, but they obviously want to know everything. Every house that I've lived in from birth, every person that I've dated, but at the same time, I've got nothing to hide, so it wasn't like, it wasn't bad. I was just like, all right, calm down, like, <laughs> a lot of info. Um, the process, in terms of like, the training, the training was really good. Um, yeah, you've got stage one, haven't you, where you... Oh, sorry, you mean that? Yeah. Well, this is it, fine, I, mean, I kind of, without sounding cocky, I feel like I kind of just read through them, I didn't, it, it was quite easy, like, I, I think that's the, that's why I wanted to kind of share my story as well. A lot of people that I've spoken to said, how does it take a bit? It takes ages and it takes years. And I was like, well, not really. Do your research. Go to a few open days. Uh, there's so much information online to read about what each stage looks like. And social workers always go through that. So it, it, was, it, was, it was a bit of a breeze, if I'm honest. Could you talk a bit, Leon, about the first time that your son came home with you and stayed with you? And this was like, this is it. This is your bedroom. How did you feel? I can take it back a little bit. Our, um, I do feel like his social worker kind of felt a bit responsible for the breakdown in the previous adoption, I think, because it had so many moves. They wanted to make sure that they got it right this time. I was actually having weekly FaceTimes with him, even before I was actually approved. I felt really confident from the get-go anyway. I was like, yeah, I got this. And then when he came to meet me at the station, it was really weird. I thought, oh my God, he's here. Like his suitcases are here and his is here so we got like a taxi back to my place and he was quite apprehensive because bless him he was so settled where he was you know i'm the sixth yeah the sixth home that he's lived in it's quite a lot for a four-year-old so i felt really guilty for kind of taking him away from what he knew as his home but the minute he saw his room of course he loved it it's quite a beautiful experience i filmed it and him like running upstairs going into his room and just like just being in awe and it was it was a nice it was a really nice moment has it been difficult to to try to kind of explain to him that this is your forever home now? Like, do you feel that he's still sort of expecting to be taken away? No, nah, he, he's, he's settled. I think he's settled pretty quickly. I always reassure him anyway. I always still say it. I feel like you can never uh, reassure too much with adopted children, especially ones that have had so many moves. So he, he knows this is his home. And I always speak about, because um, there's like a lock conversion when you're 16. Make it really good there, and I'll make it really cool. And that's going to be a big boy bedroom. So I do speak about the future, so he knows. Okay, this is it. Or I'll make plans at future holidays and stuff like that. So he, he, he's settled. If there's one thing that keeps him cropping up, and you know, why have I not got a mum? Why can't I go and stay with my mum? Can we FaceTime my mum? Have you got her number? Where does she live? Where does she? Live? There's a lot of questions. It's really weird that like, there'll be like a period of not mentioning for a couple of months, and then it'll be mentioned every day for two weeks. That can that I kind of struggle with. There's no. How do you deal with that? I stick to my script, which, again, it comes back to that. It's not a one hat fits all. I think you know, not be one of those parents. My child's amazing, but he is like really intelligent and quite assertive. So he does ask a lot of questions. So what might work for one child, 
doesn't always work for another. So the script, so to speak, is what um, I've been told to say, which essentially, you know, you do have a mummy. She just couldn't keep you safe um, and look after you properly. You know, people tried to help her look after you. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to do it. So social worker really wanted you to be somewhere where you were safe um, and they could really look after you um, and, and keep you safe and protected. And he gets those, yeah, but what, 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 what did she do though? Why, why, did, why did you keep me safe? What was it that she did? And it's like, like information is just like, it's just not, it's not enough, but they always say, stick with it. Repetition is really, really good. And it's really, really essential um, for kids his age. Um, and then obviously as he gets older, I'll give him more of this information. Um, one thing that adoptive kids get now, which is amazing, which they didn't get in years gone by, is that life story book. Literally, his is like, at the yellow pages, it's so thick, it's amazing. Honestly, there's even stuff in there that I wasn't aware of. There's pictures of everywhere that he's lived, like his birth family, um, birth mom, the hospital that he was born in, the house, like, literally no stones on terms. And I think this is so important for children because, you know, years gone by, people didn't even know they were adopted until they were in their teens, if at all, or until their parent had died. And I, I feel like the more open you are with your children in situations like this, and the more you normalise it, the more you welcome those conversations. It's just, it is what it is, then it doesn't become such a taboo, you know. Mm. Does he like looking at that book? I thought he'd like looking at it more. He just likes to look at it himself, and that's fine. I, you know, I don't push anything. You know, it's very easy. It's not, it's not hidden. I've always had to edit it. You can, it's like a binder, so you can take pages out. Um, so I've taken out a lot and just kept it quite basic for now. Then as the years go on, slowly add to it. It's really, really good. It's really well done. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We're editing our, our life books because it sounds like yours was, uh, was in a good shape. Ours wasn't. And it, there's a lot of... Ours was basically filled with like what was number one on the day you were born and things like that. And there's big pictures of Adele and it just, it just, <laughs> I just. How confusing. Just... Is Adele my mum? It's, it's interesting hearing you speak as well because your son's five, correct? Yes. So my daughter's four. So I feel like we're like the year 
behind you and what potentially I've got to come because she she's only just started I would say in the last few weeks being really you know talking a lot about um when I was when I was a baby or when I did and I think it's in relation to her younger brothers and seeing what they're doing and she will often say oh when I was a baby I would used to do this didn't I and kind of asking us the question and it's and it's it is challenging and it's challenging to come up with the right kind of responses what age was your son when he last saw his birth mother? Two, two and a half, I think. Yeah, so similar, it's a similar, similar story, and that's why mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in what will be the conversations that we have when she starts to get what? more curious. I think it depends. I mean, how, if you don't mind me asking you, how she had a lot of moves, or was it? She had. We were her third move. Depends on what they remember as well. I think with him. I think kids that have been through trauma, their memories are usually a lot sharper. Like, honestly, his memory is insane. If it's something specific that he can really give you, like, top-level detail sometimes, and I feel like when they've moved a lot, they're just quite hypersensitive about things. Stuff like smells and things can, like, really trigger trigger stuff inside them. I've met a couple of friends that have got adopted kids, um, and they're not the same. So I think, again, it's that it's not one hat. When you're doing a lot of the training as well, that's not that that's what you're led to believe but I think I don't know I just found there's there is a room for flexibility where sometimes it seems like it's quite like this 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 so I think there's a lot of room for flexibility where did you kind of get your parenting style from do you think Christian I'm glad you asked this so I'm from a, a Jamaican family my parents are both from Jamaica so um, and they're quite um I think I was brought up in a quite traditional home in terms of values and how you're brought up and it's very different to what we what we're taught in the process it's all about therapeutic parenting and some of it just sounded a bit like fluffy at times if I'm honest I just thought mm, really because I'm in my mind you know I'm, an, I'm the parent and my son is my child and you know I am I'm not saying that my upbringing or the way that the traditional Caribbean way is the best way but there's definitely more kind of boundaries in place and it's a lot more firmer than this, the whole kind of therapeutic style which we're, we're taught. And I think for me, and a couple of um, gay doctors of colour, especially that I've spoken to, they struggle with that as well because it's completely different to our default parenting, you know? And I actually spoke to somebody today because I'm, I'm speaking to a prep group via Zoom next week, and we'll be speaking about cultural differences and stuff like that, but it, it is different and I do, you know, when I, when I sometimes feel myself getting into that default parenting, I do kind of switch on my therapeutic brain. But essentially, you know, kids need boundaries, and I think they need to be in a need to thrive in an environment where there's you know kind of fairness, but fairness. And I feel like for a child that's had so many moves as well, I don't actually think he was used to hearing the word no. And because he moved around quite a lot, and because of his story, I think naturally everyone thought, oh, like he really tugged at their heartstrings, and he knew exactly how to manipulate. It still does, to be fair. So I feel that when he came here, it was just like, oh, shit, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I used to say since I different families have different rules, but in our family, this is how we do it, or we don't do that, and we don't do this. So I've been quite consistent, I've been quite strict, or quite old school, but at the same time, now I've got a well-behaved child, and he's lovable, and he's warm, and he's just gorgeous, and I know that all those boundaries, they, they help. What is your, I mean, on that subject, what's your support network been like, especially as a single dad? Do you have support from your parents and from people around you? Yeah, I've got some great family and friends. Actually, a really good group Facebook called Single Adopters UK, which honestly, 
is amazing. So shout out to the guys on that group. I find it's just, it's really good. Like if you're in a situation, and again, when you've got your friends who have got their birth children, it's it's quite different. Sometimes you need a community of people who get it. And you might say, look, I've had a good issue today, today, this has happened. Has anybody dealt with this? And within like 10 minutes, you've got like 18 people. Yeah, this is what you do. This is what happened to me last week. I did this or, you know, here's, check this link. I really found it useful. And it's just that, oh, thank you so much. It's so useful. The only thing that I would change is if, you know, some days you want a lot of self-care and it's just those days, or a day where you start, oh my God, I need, I need some time out. Like, mom, I'm coming over in 10 minutes. I'm going to drop them off for the night and let me do my thing. So that's the only thing that I would change. I do have a support What system. about your friends? Were any of your, particularly, I guess, like gay male friends, surprised that you wanted to adopt or, or not supportive in any way? Nobody was not supportive. I think it's something that, as I said, I've wanted to do for a long time. So it's always been in my plan. A lot of my friends just left London and the UK. My kind of nearest and dearest, they all kind of went off to do their thing. But I knew that that wasn't my destiny, but I knew I wanted to do. But everyone's been super supportive. Nobody's not been supportive at all. Everyone's been great. For people like Stu, who are gay dads, plural, when their adoptive children come into the family, there's kind of a more obvious indicator that they're gay in that there's two men. With you, obviously, you're a single dad. So it's not immediately obvious that you're gay to a child that's coming to your home. Have you broached the subject of sexuality with your son? And is it important at this stage? And how will you talk about it in the future? You know, he's five. So when he's like said, no, why have I not got a mummy? Or if you get a girl, you marry a girl, then she could be my mummy. And I said, oh, could marry my daddy's. And then I've given an example of a friend locally who's got... um, twins with, with his husband and I said well you know they've got two daddies and you know there's another um friend that locally she's an adopter she's heterosexual but she's on her own so he's got a good concept now of what different families look like I've got a friend who are married gay couple and he you know, they're both his uncles and he's stopped with them overnight before when they've like babysat for him and he knows that they're married and they love each other so you know you know when the conversation arises and it's, and it's necessary or it's appropriate but I'm not going to get into that with a five-year-old just yet. Um, if he if he asks me, I mean, I think he knows that if he's going to have two parents, one well, there probably would be two dads. I'm not really going into the detail per se, but I think he gets it. And do you have any books or children's books that mm. that you uh, that you have that you read to him, etc.? I have my his library is amazing. I have to say. Um, it's quite diverse. One thing that I did struggle with, I must say, and it didn't help, when he was um, asking about mum and not having a mum, and you know, all the books that we read would be like, you know, Caucasian families, 2.4 kids, cat, dog called Jess. And it was just a bit like, it made my job a lot harder because I'm telling him how normal is and how everyone's got a different family, but the books that we were reading were not diverse. So again, and kids are very visual at that age, he loves books. So during lockdown, actually, um, wrote my own children's book loosely based on our adoption journey it's quite interesting because I think that the, the emphasis is to normalize diversity from a young age so though it's loosely based on our journey like a single man wanting a child and adopting him 
it also speaks about his friends in the book that have got a different family. One of them is with their grandparents, one lives with their two dads, one just is with their mom. So, it, it, and again, the theme, which is literally repeated, it's okay to be different, everybody's different, and that's okay. So, this book isn't just for gay dads or single parent dads, it's for anybody who wants to have a, a diverse book in their kids' book collection, which should be every parent. So, even if you're, um, you know, upper middle class, um, Caucasian family in a wealthy area to have this book of a little black boy and his black dad and he's adopted him why would you not have that in your collection because I'm self-publishing but I'm super positive about it it's so important to have diversity Amazing. I wanted to ask about something that Stu and I have talked about is the kind of like cliche straight mother and baby groups and being anything other than the expected sort of white heterosexual mum and baby and and how that can feel sometimes as the sort of most different person in the room is that something that you experienced at all no I think I'm quite I'm, I'm, I'm quite niche I think I'm a single black gay doctor so everyone that I meet is usually is really positive obviously because of this age I never really no, I, 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 there's like local things that you know, the park or play centre type things, but right. I just kind of just cracked on. I didn't really kind of buy into all that. I think what I've been, because again, I'm sure you can relate to like the gay dads, these kind of crop up on Instagram and they add you. But I've, um, no, not in a bad way, but I always feel like, you know, I, just because we're gay dads, it doesn't mean that we're, we're going to get on. And I think there is this kind of like forced kind of community, oh, you know, gay dads and this tribe and you know it's good that you can have other people in your network that share your experiences and 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 you get it because it is different you know um but yeah I, I, I found that at first of all adding everybody on Instagram and really keen but now I'm just like mm. I do get that yeah it's kind of like uh you know as a minority you're sort of you're just forced together with the rest of your minority. It's it's great to be able to have those those kind of conversations. But you're right. We need to get to a point where there's there's so many of us that actually within our minority community we can choose who we connect with and who we don't. You know. Yeah, on the other side as well, you do have. I have. I've got a lot of straight female friends that have been forced together with their NCT group members and have been out for coffees with them and just come back and being like, why am I talking to these women? So Leon, we've, we've got a character on our show called Aunt Sally, who is basically like the person that you might meet at, I don't know, a school function or a barbecue, or she's a friend of a friend or she's someone's random aunt. And she just asks you the most inappropriate, offensive, bigoted question. But perhaps she means well, but you don't necessarily take it like that. Have you had an Aunt Sally moment and would you be happy to share it with us? Um, on Facebook um, a couple of weeks ago, there's somebody that I used to work with. He doesn't live in the UK anymore. Sometimes things can be misconstrued, but I, I just think it's how he articulated it, but I didn't appreciate it. So we're talking and he's got three kids. He's, he's straight. And he said, so, you know, how are you raising your son? Are you raising him to like girls or to like guys? So I said, um, first of all, that sounded really uneducated um, and quite dumb. I said, end of the day, he's five. So I said, I'm not raising him to like anybody. I said, you know, first and foremost, he's a child. And I, I raise him in a household with lots of love. And I think 
for now, love and boundaries is all he needs. I, I, I mean, and he's, and he, I said, it sounds really dumb. He said, no, I didn't mean that, but you know, obviously you're gay, you're a really cool guy. He's such a good role model. Like, I just thought it was really dumb. And again, I don't, I don't think he meant, well, maybe he did, I'm not sure, but I just thought, well, it just doesn't, it did kind of wind me up, but I didn't hold on to it because I know he's a cool guy. Mm. <laughs> it sounds to me like you handled that incredibly elegantly. Well, it's um, me, isn't it? I mean, yeah, very, very well. <laughs> I think that that was a brilliant response. Yeah, but it depends on Absolutely who it is. Though. I think if it's someone that I didn't know and I can't really vouch for their character, then it would have been a different story. There's an incident in Dubai actually that I remember. Um, we were on the beach, and I think I'd see this couple around quite a lot. Um, so it was apparent that it was just me and my son on holiday together. And he's a big chatterbox. So, you know, I was just trying to get my peace and quiet, like chilling somewhere I should go. And he like gets on the sunlight and proceeds to have a conversation with the, with the woman behind me. She's like, oh, you're so cute. And, you know, how long are you here for? And, you know, um, where, where, you know where's your mum? Because I've not got a mum. And she's like, oh, how come? And I just thought, uh, like, what are you doing? Like, why would you say, oh, why would you say, how come? Like, he's... He's clearly a child. By you even making him think that it's abnormal by that response, like it's, it's so I just kind of looked at us to say, like, really? And then he said, Oh, I've not got a mom, I've just got a dad. And then he just kind of shut the conversation down. Good for him. People just don't think, do they? They just say the first thing that comes into their head. Maybe she was just curious, but again, to a child, if he said I'm not yeah, a mom, okay. you just don't go there you know mm. yeah. well you, I, it seems like very general you've been very generous in your um responses to aunt sally in both <laughs> in both occasions and what you see as the future i mean are you would you ever consider adopting again or would you ever think about growing your family or do you feel right now that is the two of you and also just future relationships as well how you see that potentially so I have no um, plans to adopt again. If I met somebody and they had a child, fantastic. If I met somebody and my circumstances were different and we, we had the finances and I could maybe get a nanny, then, <laughs> then I, I wouldn't rule it out. But for now, I'm, I'm super happy with, with me and my little one. Um, in terms of relationships, I'm not actively looking. I was to meet somebody, they would have to be really amazing. They'd have to really be wow in various ways because I've, you know, I've got a nice home, I've got my son, I've got a decent job. Like I'm happy, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm content. So anybody that I meet needs to be amazing. Or it's just, it's just no point. I'm all good. I love that criteria. What bit of advice would you give to other single parent adopters male or female out there and kind of and, and, and on that same kind of question what do you wish you'd known then that you know now as I, said, I was pretty prepared so um, I knew what I was getting myself into there's been no major shockers I did underestimate how intense it can be with with a single parent especially when you're all your family aren't in the same city make sure your support system is super strong I had all these offers of babysitters Make sure that your network is super, super, super strong. Think about respite. Think about people who live locally who you can do that. I need to drop him or her off for an hour, two hours or five hours while I do X, Y and Z. That needs to be there because it is very, very intense as a single parent, especially during this lockdown period. And um, 
it, it can be very, very challenging if you haven't got that support. In terms of what I knew, what I wish I'd have known, I guess it's more, more or less the same, just how intense it can be. So just maybe preparing myself a little bit more for the intensity. But other than that, it's been amazing just how I imagined it. So some families have just one daddy, which is me, and a beautiful little boy. And I always say in our house, there's you, there's me, and there's lots and lots of love. Again, we speak to somebody who I wish, without it, this sounding too weird, maybe this will sound weird anyway, I'm going to say it, somebody else that I wish was my daddy. Like, he's amazing. We're just unpicking loads of daddy daddy scenarios for you Lottie <laughs> yeah sorry but no my point is Leon seems like he really has his head screwed on and he's doing a brilliant job looking after his five-year-old son and I have got so much respect for him as a single dad particularly during this time when there's so much pressure on parents to try and juggle work and childcare, and it must just be really hard if there's one of you I read something recently, I think it was in the New York Times by a single parent who was saying that they really took umbrage with the fact that single parenthood was often described as a really difficult thing and a challenge and aren't single parents really these amazing kind of martyrs and warriors for doing what they're doing. And, and this single parent was writing a piece saying, you know, actually, this was my choice and I'm really happy. And it's it's great and there's there's not such sort of positive language around single parenthood and I think people like Leon really you know do bring that positivity to single parenthood and make it seem like something that's absolutely achievable and it's a choice and it's okay and I, I really respected that. It was always his dream from such a young age to go it alone and just be this amazing father and to adopt and and because that's such a positive and affirming way to look at it as opposed to the stereotypical view of a single parent is someone who's probably been through a bad breakup or has got themselves into that situation somehow and and it does have very negative connotations around the fact mm. so you know speaking to to Leon speaking to Holly earlier in the series as well it mm -hmm. is just amazing speaking to these incredible role models for for being single parents and hopefully will encourage a lot more people who are maybe nervous about going it alone and nervous about how they'd be able to cope but I think as mm. we've experienced through speaking to different people you know you do cope and you can manage it and it is fine and like Leon says as long as you're prepared then you know you can you can achieve anything I also really liked his criteria for um, meeting a potential partner, which is they've got to be blimmin' amazing, which I think is like a brilliant kind of filter in terms of dating. <laughs> like, they've just got to be great. Especially if, you know, his, his little one's been through so much that it's going to have to take someone incredibly special to come and potentially you know, upheave that or, mm. or or change it. And again, going back to the way we think about things, why should he? You know, there's no reason he ever actually has to, you know, as a society, again, culturally, we always put on that somebody needs to be with somebody else. Like, the mm. relationship... Yeah, it's weird, he, isn't it, that yeah. two people are, are better than one person that's, you know, as Leon said, which I thought was brilliant, it's you, me, and a whole lot of love. I do love that. Mm. And I think that is such yeah. a nice way 
of describing it as well. So talking to Leon has also made me think, you know, if you are out there as a single adopter or if you're in a couple then and you're thinking about starting a family and you've been listening to this podcast, I had a wonderful chat this week with Michael and Wes, who are two dads who we spoke to in an early episode this series. Go back and have a listen if you haven't already, because their surrogacy journey is incredibly interesting. And I learned so much about surrogacy through them. They have set up a a wonderful modern family show, which is going to be taking place in London, which is going to be lots of exhibits of how you can become a queer parent through surrogacy or adoption or co-parenting and there's gonna be loads of experts loads of different people there we're gonna put some details in the show notes if you're interested in becoming a queer parent then then do have a look and let's see if you want to come down um sounds brilliant it does and i think things like that are really exciting because it's also a chance for all people to get together and meet Mm -hmm. with one another and have those conversations in real life which i don't think we get as much especially now in lockdown and hopefully everything will be well and good by September. And if you've got anything else that you'd like to get in touch with us about, please do. We love hearing from you. Our email is somefamilies at storyhunter.co.uk. Yep. And you can find us at Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at somefamiliespod. And we really hope you've enjoyed our conversation tonight with Leon. Next week will be our series mm-hmm finale of series Mm. one (gasps) oh what will i wear oh what will i drink (laughs) (laughs) my pajamas and a negroni done (laughs) nice nice Stu, it's been a pleasure as always and at home thank you so much for listening goodbye goodbye softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.